Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Seeds and Weeds podcast, brought to you by Small House Farm. If you're looking to celebrate plants and the people that love them, then this is the podcast for you. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Bevan Cohen. Hello again, my friends, and welcome back to the show. We have got a packed episode for you today. We're going to be sitting down to chat with certified aromatherapist Amy Anthony, and we covered a lot of information in this interview. It was awesome. I even got Amy to share her top five essential oils, so you're definitely going to want to stick around for that. It was actually a pretty long interview, so we don't want to waste any time so we can get right into it. I even have some bonus content that's not going to be in today's episode, but it is available exclusively over on the Patreon. You know, our Patreon subscribers, they help keep this show on the air so they get all sorts of groovy perks, including some bonus content from my conversation with Amy today. Speaking of Patreon, I want to say thank you to our latest subscribers, Patty Lashbrook, Diana Marie, Michaeline Penkovich. I also want to give a shout out to Jeffrey and Krista Lambin. Now, they're not new subscribers, but they recently upgraded to the Seasonal Herb Lovers tier just in time to get the autumn herbal gift basket that we're going to be sending out next month. So again, big thanks to all of our Patreon members. We literally could not do the show without you. If you'd like to support our program, you can find details Details at seedsandweedspodcast.com or at patreon.com slash smallhousefarm. All right, now let's hear that interview. Amy Anthony is a certified clinical aromatherapist, owner of NYC Aromatica, and host of the Essential Aromatica podcast. Amy left her career in marketing to pursue what is closest to her heart, working with plants. And today, she's considered to be one of America's most influential aromatherapists. Amy Anthony, welcome to the podcast, my friend. Wow, Bevan, thank you so much for having me. I love chatting with plant people. Now, you know, we've had a few different herbalists on the show in the past, but you, Amy, are our first clinical aromatherapist. So I have got a ton of questions for you. But before we jump into it, could you just tell our listeners maybe a little bit about your background and uh, maybe something about some of the work that you're doing right now? Yes, of course. Thank you. The long and short of it is that I grew up loving plants, being around plants. Uh, I was the nerd that was creating a herb garden when I was around the age of 15, planning out my first herb garden. But um, life changes and uh, I, my family and I moved to Western New York from the East Coast. And I wanted to get back to New York City, the, the area. And I wanted to be by culture. I wanted to you know get my degree and do all that. And I ended up in corporate America and I spent some time there doing um, in the land of market research. So surveys, survey design, survey analysis, data analysis uh, to focus groups and the qualitative side as well. And I loved it. I still do, but I need plants in my life. They, they ground me. And basically I quit my corporate job thanks to the support of my spouse. I didn't do this alone. And the essential oils found me around the same time. And I was just obsessed to learn about them. What are these things? I need to know more. I suddenly needed to become certified without knowing why. And luckily, um, Amy Galper opened the New York Institute of Aromatherapy, which happened to be about three blocks from my apartment. So that was the universe saying, wake up, Amy. And suddenly I ended up being an aromatherapist and starting my own business. So that's the, the long and short of it. But really, it was my need to be with plants and the essential oils are, are a way for me to do that. 
I totally dig that. I love that you said that you were a nerd. Uh, you're in good company here. Now, I guess the first question I really got to ask here, since you're a clinical aromatherapist, what is aromatherapy? Um, could you give us a breakdown on what that is and how that works? Yeah, just like with herbalism, it's it's a subset of herbalism. We're, we're working with plants and their constituents. And aromatherapy, we're working specifically with aromatic plants and specifically with their distilled essences. So we obtain, we take a lot of plant material, put it in a still, and we get this incredible concentrated essential oil from this process. And I can't stress enough how concentrated this is. So less is more. A textbook definition is the therapeutic application of genuine and authentic essential oils. And we can work with those for working with uh, the physical things. So essential oils, some people might turn to them for aches and pains, sinus congestion, lung infection. Essential oils are incredibly antibacterial often antimicrobial, antifungal, really anti-inflammatory, really great for wound healing and like scar tissue repair. They're antioxidant as well. We're working with terpenes. These are terpene-based things. And a lot of folks are starting to hear that word thanks to cannabis, which is all about terpenes, right? So that's an aromatic. We're also working with the connection that these aromatics have with emotions in the mind. So when we're smelling an oil, you know, we have these olfactory nerves that dangle into air. Aromatics can attach to that. And the, the, there's nerve signals that go two synapses away from cortical tissue, basically, is what's happening. And a uh, molecule attaches and suddenly there's a bunch of stuff happening there. So we have, oh, I recognize that. Oh, that reminds me of this. Or, oh, I love the way that smells. I like this. And then there's all this neuroelectricity happening. And what's happening is the scent is attached to our hippocampus. So that's the place of memory formation and retention. It's attached and goes to the amygdala, the center for raw emotions and anger and, you know, just like the raw sense of you and fight and flight. And also working with the hypothalamus, the the major, you could say, CEO of the brain looking for homeostasis. And I I have to pause because there's just so much that happens with aromas and scent molecules. Yeah, this is wild stuff. So let me just see if I'm following along. Basically what you're saying is, is when we smell these smells, the molecules of these aromas get into our system and it causes our body to react to it in different ways, right? Exactly. Okay. Now when you were mentioning using the essential oils for things, you know, antibacterial, pain relief, that sort of thing, is this aromatherapy applications or are these topical applications? Oh, I love the way you asked that because aromatherapy could be parsed out in so many ways. So yes, there's the topical application, but also when it is topical, you're smelling it so it's also the pleasure, hedonic, like dislike memory thing. And that's the thing is essential oils, the aromatics, it's a mind body connector. So it's and, you know, like it's and. So if I put a topical application on of something, you might notice that, oh, my arthritis feels a little better or that ache is kind of gone for now. Oh, but I notice I feel calmer. And yes, you might feel calmer because you don't have the pain anymore, but it's deeper than that. There, wait, there's more and more proof showing that these chemicals, I could call them that, work with GABA receptors. Like we have GABA receptors all over the body. We're working with dopamine receptors. We're working with oxytocin receptors. So it's this lovely thing of and with aromatherapy. It can work with pain and sickness, you know, like a bacterial infection, and it can work with emotional and mental states. Okay. You know, one of the things that caught my eye when I was going through your website was that you're actually growing the herbs that you work with. But then I I was reading, I thought maybe that you were distilling your own essential oils, but in 
the pre-interview, you mentioned that you're making hydrosols. So what's the difference here between an essential oil and a hydrosol? Yeah, there's so much. Uh, so for folks that might not know what a hydrosol is, I always the example I like to give is rose water. So it takes a lot of uh, rose petals to obtain the essential oil because the, the plant constituents want to give themselves to water. They're really water soluble. So if I was to take rose petals and put them in this big or small still, and I was to distill them, I might get a little bit of essential oil. But it, in that, because we're working with water and water is going through the, the still and it gets condensed and it drips out and you get forever changed water, which is called the hydrosol. So you have this substance that's no longer water. It's infused with smaller amounts of aromatic chemicals. You know, a lot of stuff stays behind in the still, like a lot of the stuff that herbalists will really care about stay behind in the still, but herbalists also care about the aromatics. So the hydrosol is this profound preparation that's more gentle than the essential oil. It's like the yin of the essential oil. You know, the, the essential oils yang are really active and powerful and irritating. And then they get this watery yin substance that in small amounts is really beneficial. You can cook with the hydrosol. I work with them in creams, facial sprays, in the bath. They're so powerful. And one thing I want to share, some folks might not know this, hydrosols were the preferred end result of distillation up until, let's say, about the 1800s with the age of you know enlightenment. And when we started to get microscopes and a better understanding of trying you know what's in our world. So they're really powerful and beautiful. That's fascinating. So now the hydrosols, can you use these for aromatherapy as well? Or do we stick to essential oils for that? The really cool thing about hydrosols is the, the appreciation of the chemistry. So essential oils don't like water in their nature. Like they, they separate from the water. So essential oils get carried over on steam. They hit a condenser and out comes, you know, this really concentrated essential oil than this more dilute, you know, watery substance. Like lemongrass has components that really want to give themselves to water. Same with Melissa, lemon balm, really expensive essential oil that's highly adulterated. It really wants to give itself to water. So you can work with the hydrosol and have this really medicinal, you know, like antimicrobial property, but it also works well with anxiety. So it's, yes, it's the, again, the and. The hydrosols are definitely worked with in aromatherapy and they're gentle. Like my dog, we have a Shiba Inu, uh, we're caretakers of a Shiba Inu who has car anxiety. And sometimes I will um, spray German chamomile on my hands and rub her ears or put it in the car to calm her. And I wouldn't do that with the essential oil. Since a lot of these things are commercially available, folks can buy a lot of essential oils and that sort of thing. They're, they're pretty much everywhere. What's the benefit? And I feel I already know the answer to this, but what's the benefit of distilling your own as opposed to just purchasing it? Yeah, it's the connection. It's the process. Part of the distillation thing is I wanted to learn how it works. Like what is the process, but I'm tooting my own horn, but I've been told like people that buy my hydrosols for me and I only sell to people I know. I don't have a retail operation. They say like you could feel the love in the care 
you feel the time. There, there's a love and appreciation and a connection. There is nothing better than the information you get from asking the plant to grow, helping it thrive, and you watch it and you harvest it and you get the information from it and you get the energy when you're harvesting. And when you're by the still, the chemistry just fills the air. Yeah, I'm digging this. So that's going to bring me to the next question. We've got a little Facebook group. Uh, we're fans from the podcast. It's a little community. And um, I'd mentioned to folks that we were going to have you on the show. And a few people asked to um, inquire about what kind of a still you have. What's what's that all about? Oh, thanks. I have two copper stills. And if you check me out on Instagram, I really just focus on the plants. So you might see some videos of the still and on my website too. I have um, copper alembic stills, A-L hyphen A-M-B-I-Q. And they're, they're made in Portugal. You can't beat the copper and copper is bacteriostatic and it can, it could get banged around a little bit. You don't have to worry about it breaking. Oh, that's nice. I got two kids here. So I'm, uh, that durability is important with everything that we get. So on that note, I used to use an open flame with propane, you know, like you can go and get the propane from a hardware store for your grill. And I've converted to a hot plate and I'm really happy with that. Even though it takes longer, I feel it's safer. Yes, I'm using electricity, but you pick your battles um, and I feel it's safer around kids. You know, open flame isn't the best. <laughs> um, so you pick your battles. So now you run NYC Aromatica and this website's great. There's there's videos on there. Blog posts, you're offering consultations. So give us a quick rundown on NYC Aromatica. What's what's this all about? Yeah, uh, I'm still trying to figure that out. Uh, but <laughs> it's like if you if you have questions about aromatherapy, I'm your resource. So the the crux of it is I mentioned I, I taught at this wonderful school and unfortunately it closed. And then my love for teaching, I'm like, I, I need to do this. The connection I build with people to share the information about the the gorgeousness of these plants and the oils. I was like, the school closed. I disappeared. I'm like, well, I missed this. So I just started to build up my website. And I've always, I've been seeing one-on-one -on -one clients, you know, since 2015, 2016, but it was really just a necessity to continue to do what I love and to try to find a voice and share my voice in the world. Oh yeah. I mean, your website's just packed full of information for sure. My wife, Heather and I, we just recently went, we had a chance, we went to visit the lavender fields in Southern France. And when I noticed, you know, being a plant guy, I was going through all the different plants there and they had a lot of different species and hybrids, lavender, all these different things. And a number of the fields were dedicated to the production of lavender, which is different than true lavender. And the essential oil is different too, I would assume. So could you unpack that a little bit for me? So myself and also the listeners can understand the difference between these two plants. Of course. I have a class on my website based on this actually, because I, I created a class for the former school. So lavender is lavandula angustifolia. One thing I can't stress enough about all plants, right, is if you can learn the Latin binomial, get to know the Latin name because that is the universal language and that gets rid of a little confusion. So when you're looking at a bottle of oil or looking to buy the plant, look at the Latin name. So there's lavender, lavandula angustifolia, lavendin. So lavandula intermedia, there's a couple different names, but it's a naturally occurring hybrid is lavendin. And then there's something, uh, a beautiful being called 
called spike lavender. It goes by a couple different names, but lavandula latifolia. The Lamiaceae family, the, the, the family that lavender is classified in, readily hybridizes with each other. You know, bees come and pollinate. And suddenly you might see one lavender plant growing and next to that lavender plant that happens to be a light purple might be one with white flowers. So that's just naturally occurring. So what happened probably millions of years ago, whatever, thousands of years ago is spike lavender and true lavender or lavandula angustifolia, they hybridized and created this hybrid that has longer spiky flowers. Like spike lavender is kind of bushier, gruffer, a little unruly looking and grows at lower altitudes, more sea level. And then you have lavandula angustifolia, which is shorter, more compact, smaller flowers and really thrives up in the the higher altitudes and mountains. And way back, you know, like a a hundred years ago or so, people still used to wild harvest that high altitude lavender. So high altitude lavender, true lavender, lavandula angustifolia is known for its dreamy, sleepy qualities. It's the sedative lavender. It it doesn't produce as much essential oil as lavandin because lavandin has the genes also of spike lavender. So lavandin produces probably a three times the amount of essential oil as lavender. But lavender has the dreamy, sleepy, airy, uh, motherly qualities. Whereas lavandin is great. I find it's really modulating and balancing and really great for aches and pains. It starts to have a little more camphor in it. Lavender is great for aches and pains as well. But again, it really shines for that sleepy, motherly uh soothing quality. I hope that I just gave you a lot there, I think. <laughs> that was a lot, but that was awesome. That's exactly what I wanted. One of the things we like to do here on the show, we we like to do a top five. So I wanted to ask you if you could share with us maybe your top five essential oils, maybe for uh, folks that are new to essential oils, a good place to get started. Top five essential oils for the new budding aromatherapist. Yeah, that's that keeps me in line because I'm like all of them, you know, all of the aromatics. It's hard to pick top five, isn't it? Yeah, I have to say we already touched on, you know, the Swiss army knife, as, as some people call it. Uh, I think John Steele said that the Swiss army knife of the oils is lavender. Try to get yourself a, I say good quality, the nose nose, smell it. If you're taken away and curious, you're like, this is good, right? It shouldn't smell flat. It shouldn't smell metallic. It shouldn't be single note. It should be like a poem. So lavender is the ultimate panacea. You know, it, it when in doubt, it's lovely. It's one of the few ones you could put on your skin neat as in straight. Uh, if you have a crisis like a bee sting or um, really, really nasty bug bite like a bee sting. One that when you ask me to think about this, I'm like, I love all of them, but I always come back to vetiver. Vetiveria is anoides or the Latin name is changed. So vetiver is a grass and what in aromatherapy, we work with the essential oil distilled from the roots and the roots are really long and this is a cooling, grounding, literally, right? Roots in the ground, but it's true. Oil that's wonderful for a lot of clinicians and psychiatrists, uh, hypnotherapists will work with people with PTSD. Think of people uh, that are really ungrounded that are just have been crushed. Cooling, lovely, grounding. I've given presentations to like 30, 40 people and every time I pull vetiver out and share it, literally within 30 seconds, I feel myself calm down. Uh, It's a very powerful oil and I think it's more sustainable than let's say going to sandalwood and cutting down an entire tree. You know, when we work with the grasses, I think it's more sustainable. 
Rosemary is another one. When in doubt, eat your herbs. You know, essential oils should be worked with, you know, as needed and eat the herbs. So rosemary is just uplifting, clarifying. It has evidence for enhancing memory, respiratory support. It's it's just such a lovely, accessible herb. You have to have a citrus. Many people uh, smile. They love citruses, sweet orange, lemon, mandarin is one of my favorites because citrus oils are cold pressed. They're not distilled. And some of the citruses have phototoxic qualities. So like if you were to squeeze a lime juice, a lime in the sun, the oils will attract sunlight and you might get burnt. So be careful with some of those. And then another one I have to say, which we have to be careful about working with because it's there's sustainability issues, but frankincense is just a classic spiritual, uplifting, third eye clearing, uh, sacred, gorgeous oil. It is, and it also has an affinity for the respiratory tract. And that's one thing. Good breath, good mental clarity, right? I think I gave you five. That is five. <laughs> and you know what? What you said at the beginning there, good lavender should smell like a poem. That is fantastic. That was awesome. So that's the top five essential oils. I totally dig it, Amy. That was very groovy. Um, now for folks that are looking to connect with you, what are the links that they need? Thank you. Please find me on Instagram. It's it's mostly plant focused, of course, at NYC Aromatica. I also started a YouTube channel under the same uh, handle, NYC Aromatica. If you go to my website, you'll find free articles uh, and also uh, my podcast, Essential Aromatica. My goal is to make aromatherapy accessible, fun and practical and hands on. I love it. I'm going to put links to all of that, including your podcast down in the show notes so everybody can check that out. That is super cool. Amy Anthony, thank you again so much for being on the show. That was a blast. Thank you so much, Bevan. This is, uh, I love sharing and thanks for having me as a guest. I really, really enjoy you and thank you. And that's a wrap, my friends. We have come to the end of another show. Thanks again to Amy Anthony for joining us and to all of you for tuning in. If you enjoy what we're doing here, you can always leave us a review over on Apple Podcasts. And if you'd like to directly support the show, subscribe to our Patreon. You can find that link and many more at seedsandweedspodcast.com. This show was edited and produced by all of us here at Small House Farm. And the music you're listening to right now is a little ukulele swing from Matthew Michael Cole. I'm your host, Bevan Cohen, and we'll smell you later. Howdy, friends. Bevan here. You know, the Seeds and Weeds podcast is made possible in part by Baker Creek Heirloom Seed Company, rareseeds.com. They're America's top source for rare and heirloom varieties from around the world, and they're publisher of the whole seed catalog. Their 2024 catalog is chocked full of heirloom goodness, new varieties, recipes, stories, and gorgeous photographs. You can order yours now at rareseeds.com.